0: Brother Tim Pruitt sent myself and Brother Ron texts today. He was listing the different names of preachers and church members, laity, and alike that had passed in the last few years. And the list was so overwhelming—it's one after another, after another, after another. Brother Rose Freesbury just recently. Brother Hildebrand, of course, and uh, we preached many meetings in Edmonton, and he was talking about the different preachers that we had preached for. And the more you think about it, we're getting more and more and more on the other side, aren't we? Before long, there'll be more of them there than there'll be left of us on the earth. I don't know about you, I want to be ready every day. Now, that's not just an old person's thing. I know I'm getting older. I know all that. But I think it's a young person's ideology, or it should be, too. Because none of us have a promise of even getting, being able to walk out these doors tonight. So we want to be ready whether you're 60 or 50 or 20 or 15, don't we? Because we never know when our time will come. But we have this promise. Satan cannot take us until God is done. That's right. I'm so glad we believe that tonight. Everybody doing well? Yes. Are you happy? Yes. Happy to be a Christian? How many is mad at the devil? Okay. What? Wow. <laughs> God bless you. Let's, let's turn together tonight, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I hope you're not getting tired of me reading these, these verses here. I absolutely love them because it's such a display of God's God's grace and the magnification of grace coming from the Old Testament to the New, uh, especially contrasting good works and bad works, of course, and then looking at the Old Testament, how the the works there pretty much defines your soul and defines your destiny. Well, in the New Testament, a person could absolutely wind up being wrong as far as the works and yet still be a Christian. I know that stumbles a lot of folks, but I'm certainly glad that, God has such mercy. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try Every man's work, and notice what it is, every man's work of what sort that it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, yet he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And you see, grace has been so magnified from the Old Testament. You look at the characters in the Old Testament, they lost their works, they were lost. I find it so amazing that God, under grace, has provided such a place that there can be good people that love the Lord, that are saved people, not bride, but saved people. They can wind up in absolutely the wrong doctrine, the wrong works, But yet, because they have trusted the Lord and an element of blindness that has forbidden them from seeing the full truth, God will have mercy on them. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. How many would like to be remembered tonight as we pray? God bless you. Let's just hold our requests in our hearts. Heavenly Father, we counted such an honor and a privilege that we could be gathered together. I've been so excited Lord today to be able to come back to church and Lord to be able to sing and worship and pray and hear the word and Lord we just come with anticipation tonight to see what you're going to do see what you're going to say how you're going to move we're just hearing of such wonderful things that's happening among us and we know it's because you're among us. So we pray tonight, Lord, that you would meet with us in this Wednesday night service, that you would take the service, move me aside, Lord, help me that I can just become as this microphone, that Lord God, I will follow the unction of the Holy Ghost, shut my mouth to anything that would displease you. May the presence of God anoint me, but anoint the people as well, that we can be able to be submissive to the Spirit of God. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. <clears throat> now I'm going to speak to you for just a little bit tonight, Len, this Foundation, on a very odd side of supernatural gifts. Uh, we believe in supernatural gifts, do we not? We thank God for every gift that God has and every gift that God has among us. And the way I feel about it, I want every gift that God has for our church, I want every one of them, myself, I want uh, for us as individuals to be submissive to the Spirit of God and let God be able to use us. But there's also another side to supernatural gifts. Now this is a frightening side, that a person can actually have a gift that comes from God. Now it's not a fake, it's not an impersonation, but it's a real gift that comes from God and they can take that gift And use that gift in such a way that it will cause them to go to hell. Ah, hello to you too. (laughs) Yes, they can actually use a gift in such a way that will cause them to, to go to hell. Now listen carefully, the harvest time in 1964. Now watch, he's talking about the devil when he come to the Lord Jesus and he made three attacks against the Lord Jesus and he parallels those attacks with a child of God, ever believer, that they will be faced with the same three, three things. And he he takes it and shows how that when Satan offered these things to the Lord Jesus, and then the Lord Jesus responded, and then Satan used another approach. And then the Lord Jesus responded, and Satan used again another approach, and then he responded again. Now watch, he said, he makes you a supernatural offer. Now he's talking about the devil, how that the devil... If he won't, cannot stop you from serving God. Now, he's able to do that to a lot of people. Oh, it's too hard. It's too difficult. I can't live right. I, I, I can't go through all that. I don't want it. Well, he don't have to try very hard on people like that. But there's other people, and they say, oh, no. No, I'm going to stay with that word. I love God. I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to go on with God. But you see, he doesn't stop there, but he will realign And then he will try to offer you something totally different. Now he will try to offer you something that seems almost impossible. Because you'd think that only God would be able to offer what the prophet is fixing to tell us. But notice what Brother Rem says. Then he makes you a supernatural offer. Okay, so if he cannot stop you from going on with God, and well, I'm going back to the world, I'm going back to my music, I'm going back to the way I've done this and that and the other, and you say, no, 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 I'm not gonna do it. I'm sold out, I'm going on with God. Well, he just realigns himself, and then he realigns to your confession. And then he'll say, okay, all right, fine. So I see then you are more determined than I thought you were. So what I'm gonna have to do is realign on where you are and I'm going to offer you, not the world, I ain't going to offer you drinking, I'm not going to offer you things like that, but I will offer you tongues. I'll offer you a gift. I'll offer you something supernatural. But it'll be just a little bit off the word. Now that is much more deceiving than smoking, right? That's much more deceiving than vodka, whiskey, beer, robbing a bank, right? So this is something in Satan's arsenal that many people would never think that he has access to. But Satan actually has access to supernatural gifts. Mm. Watch this. Now it says, I'm gonna come back to this so just before closing. See, if he can't tempt you away from the word. Now he says, no, no, I'm gonna stay with the word. Then he'll give you a supernatural offer. He said, I'll tell you what, you get up here and dive off the temple. Now this is what he told Jesus. Now once you notice what he's offering to Jesus, it's for Jesus to be a show off. Now you see, this is where many people Mess up whenever they made up their mind, I'm not going back to the world. No, sir, I'll tell you one thing I'll burn all them bridges behind me. But then Satan will make them an offer to be a supernatural show off. So they, you know, they take what God's done and they begin to brag. And if you notice, it starts out so mildly in such a small, mild mannered form and then it'll transition to where there becomes more and more and more about them, and less and less and less about Jesus. Anybody here tonight that can perform a miracle, you're free to do so right now. Anybody here who can heal anyone, you're free to do it. Hello, testing, one, two. Anybody that can pray the prayer of faith without needing God's help, you're welcome to do it. My feet still bother me. I'll be the first one. Come lay your hands on them. Now see, most of us, we find that repulsive, don't we? Because Satan don't come that way. He comes in more of a sly way. But it was your prayer you was the one that was the most sincere. There was 583,932 praying for the same person, but God heard your prayer. And how do you know that for sure? So you see, Satan then will begin to make people a supernatural offer to where they feel like their prayer, their anointing, whatever more, is more special, more supernatural, How can you make supernatural more supernatural? If it's supernatural, it's supernatural, is it not? Now watch, this is so strange and odd. Brother Ram doesn't say this anywhere else in the entirety of the message, worded quite like this, except in this message here. He will give you a supernatural offer. I'll tell you what, you get up there and you dive off the temple and bring back up See, show the people that you can do something supernatural. Now remember when the prophet preaches this, he actually says that the Lord Jesus was tempted to do it. So he was tempted to act like this supernatural something was at his disposal whenever he wanted it. So, all right, the devil wants me to do it. I'll prove I'm a man of God. Boy, I saw that in Pentecost. Yeah, I saw a lot of them guys running around with other men's wives, all kinds of sin in their life, and yet get in the pulpit and make the challenge. Now the time has come for God to testify of his man. Uh Uh-huh. I've seen all kinds of supernatural events take place and come to find out that man was an absolute liar, adulterer, money launderer, and all kinds of things. Well, praise the Lord. That's why when I come to the message of the hour and start hearing the morning ones at the end time, I felt like a bird let out of a prison because I'd had them questions for years and years in my life. Now, watch this. Show the people that you can do something supernatural. Boy, he got them there. Now watch, this is it. Now watch when you get to the end where this temptation come. Now, Brother Bram is identifying this as a temptation. Maybe he might let some of you speak in tongues and think you got it. The devil? The devil. But you see, if he can make you think you got the Holy Ghost and all he needs to do is cause a confusion of tongues, that would be an easy trade-off. I hope you understand what I'm fixing to say. Demon spirits can talk in tongues. That shouldn't stumble you. What are tongues? There are tongues of men and tongues of angels. So whenever the apostles and them received the Holy Ghost and they begin to speak in tongues, remember the prophet said part of the miracle was that it was in the hearing of the people that was there. Each one of them from Cappadocia, from all the different nationalities that were there. Part of the miracle was they heard them speak in their own language. What was the tongues they were speaking in? It was known tongues or known languages of the world. You think the devil can't talk in Greek? You think the devil can't talk in French? You, can't, you think he can't talk in Spanish? Do you think he can't talk in the other language of the world? Why, of course he can. So you know as well as I do that there are people that go into a coma. I read a one not long ago. The individual was there for six months, spoke English, only language they knew. Come out of that coma and spoke perfect French. They didn't even know French. They knew French fry, French toast, you know, that sort of thing. But they could no longer speak English, but spoke French. How is that even possible? Something happened in their body and it changed them. Well, you imagine for a lot of Pentecostals, of course, this was exactly what they was looking for, Brother Jack. Oh my, how many did I see when you'd make an altar call and they'd go up and Jesus, you got it, you got it. You got what? You got what? Oh my. Now watch this, he says, or he might even let you prophesy. Though it not be with the word. I've seen people stand up and prophesy was is contrary to the word as the east is from the west. That's pretty contrary, isn't it? See, it's the word that you live by. Them supernatural gifts, Satan, listen, Satan can hand them out by the handfuls, not God, Satan. Satan can hand them out by the handfuls. Now listen to this, certainly that don't mean one thing. Oh my goodness, I figured y'all would be quiet, but I thought at least somebody would be breathing, y'all. Go ahead and breathe. I don't want y'all to die on me now. Brother Donnie, the devil? Yes. But you see, he would only hand them out to people who would believe in them. What for? To trick them. To make them think they got the Holy Ghost when they don't. Or they put such emphasis on a gift and be a little bit off the word. prophet tells us about that in the church age book that people would operate a gift with a margin of error in it. Hit, miss, hit, miss, hit, miss. My God, don't miss. Praise the Lord. I said, my God, don't miss. My God, don't lie. If God says something, it is that way. Is that right? But yet people, if that's their inclination, then Satan will want to give them A substitute, but friends, there's so much real. Why in the world would any of us want a substitute or a fake for a real genuine baptism? Brother Don, don't you believe in the gifts? With all of my heart, and I've said it for years of my life, I have prayed and prayed and hoped that I would be able to see it before I left this earth. All nine gifts in true operation. I've seen enough of the other kind. You say, well, just trash them all. It's one of God's words in the Bible. If I'm gonna trash that, what about the cross? What about the resurrection? If it's in the Bible, there's gonna be somebody, I believe, that's gonna have a real manifestation of what God wants. I ain't talking about impersonators. I ain't talking about somebody that wants to be a big shot. I'm talking about somebody that wants to be nothing and let the Lord use them. Oh, my. Now, with that in mind, I want you to listen to this now as we go on into this, that a person then could have a real genuine gift from God, and depending on how they use that gift, that gift could actually be the means by which it leads them to the regions of the lost. Now, in reality, they'd been better off if they'd never had the gift. They'd been better off if they would have never had it. Now, watch this. Again, the prophet says, a man can take a divine gift and send his soul to hell with it. Now, you think, my goodness, I could see that with a pack of cigarettes, a fifth of whiskey, you know, taking somebody else's wife and, and doing all that sort of thing, but with a gift? Well, of course, which do you think is the most deceiving, a pack of cigarettes or a divine gift? A supernatural gift. You know that? A gift from God. Now, I don't mean just something that you imagine. I mean, if God has given you something, and this is the key, and give it to your charge. Uh huh. You've got to use that with the wisdom of God. Now, you see, every gift of God is an element of God's glory. And God is very precautious in the way he delves these out. So every individual that has a real gift from God will get an element of glory. Mm -hmm. Recognition, honor, so on and so on. Then it's going to be up to that individual how they will use that. God has dispensed that to them. And it will take the wisdom of God, not the desire of human flesh, but the wisdom of God for every individual to use that gift with wisdom. Because if you don't, then you cross over the line from God getting the glory to before long the line becomes blurred. And then the man is sharing glory with God. And people will do that to you. Yeah, they will, people will. I said people will. Notice again he says in Phoenix, God can't trust his gifts with everybody. Do you believe that? When God gives you a gift, you have to watch what you are doing with it. So you see the gift comes from God, But yet God is not the one that is always operating, manipulating the administrative side. The administrative side and the operation of it is left up to who? You, God called you to be a preacher. The Holy Ghost is not the one that will make you study four hours a day, three hours a day, two hours a day. He will give you the ability to study. He will give you the ability for God to open up the word, and then you will study according to the gift that God gives you. But the Holy Ghost won't study for you and then fax you your sermon. The Holy Ghost has never faxed me one sermon I've ever preached. He's never emailed me one or texted me one. (laughs) But I have to do a lot of that myself. I have to pray I have to look sometimes at hundreds times hundreds of quotes because I don't want to get one quote and run with it. I want to make sure that what I'm preaching is a balanced diet for the saints of God. So I want to study it through and through and through to make sure that what I'm bringing is exactly right. So the Holy Ghost is not the one who does all of that. He inspires you while you do your part. Well, somebody say, Praise the Lord. Now, you know, you realize we got a lot of good, talented folks here that play music and sing and all that. But I'm so grateful that they also realize that you could be a a tremendous singer, but you don't give no time to practice. You don't know what song, what key you sing it in. You don't know nothing. Well, you can get up here and start out in G, and then they have to go to F, and then they have to go to A flat, and then they finally find you on the upper end of B, and you've took about five minutes of the people sitting there looking at you think, why in the world didn't you do that back there in the music room? You could have done it back there and been ready or you can stand up here and do it. Which one would you rather have? Do you want a preacher that'll stand up here? Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I believe Brother Branham said that in uh, in uh, in uh, was it the deity of Jesus Christ or or was that uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania, 1951? At that word, no, I don't believe it. Was. I, I think it might have been believing God, maybe in 1952. Well, I don't know. It don't really matter. No way. Uh, you know what? That's a man right there that should have done a whole lot more praying and a whole lot more studying, but he's not accepting what God's given. And applying himself in the right way. Well, good night. You'd think I was speaking to a preacher's convention, wouldn't you? <laughs> but you see what happens that, that man gets, gets the gift from God, and then God holds him responsible for what he does with it. I said, Do you know that a man could take a gift of God and send his soul to hell with it? Do you understand that's what Judas did? If you and I would have been in the days of the Lord Jesus, when he chose his disciples, I dare say every one of us would have been deceived by Judas Iscariot. John was, Peter was, Matthew was, all the rest of them were. You know why? Because Judas did not have an inferior gift. His was equivalent to the rest of the brothers. Judas could preach, listen to me, This don't let it stumble you. Judas even could cast out devils, not by dunamis of an indwelling power, but by excusia, which is a jurisdiction or an authority given to you by someone who is above you. So Judas did not have power within himself to cast out devils, he himself being a devil. It's an amazing thing because Judas could cast out devils, but he couldn't keep the devil from getting in him. Oh my goodness. He could cast out devils because Jesus said, cast out devils, heal the sick. That's the way he did it. Not because he was righteous, not because he was holy, not because he was a God called man in the sense of Peter being one but he was given a gift. You imagine he could stand there and preach. He could preach and whenever it come right down to it and Jesus said, one of you is gonna betray me. Judas had lived such a holy life. He had preached the message of that day in such a comparative way to the rest of them that they questioned themselves before they questioned him. Now, you know if they'd seen them flirting around with all the young girls and flirting around with the women and seen him doing this and doing that. So, "Uh oh, I know who that is. That's Judas. Man, you you can't trust that guy. But he was so up to par with the rest of them, they questioned their own credibility before they questioned him. When you know how that they sat at the Last Supper, they did not use a table the way we do but they lay down and reclined. Jesus would have been set in the middle. Some of the disciples would have been laying on his left. Others have been laying on his right. Judas Iscariot was the right hand man. I know the last separate shows you them setting up. That's not the way it was. They actually laid down. That's why the Bible said John leaned over on Jesus' bosom. Why? Because they were laying down. So that that's the way that they ate. And Judas, they all looked around, and when they went to looking, they thought, oh, my goodness, Judas is the right-hand man. Judas is laying right there. John's on one side, and Judas is on the other. And the brothers there, knowing the traditions, and they would have looked at it and said, Judas, he's the the one. He's the next one. He's going to get Jesus' ministry. Because Jesus is telling them, I'm fixing to go, boys. I'm fixing to leave. And when they looked at the way they had them set in order, they said, Judas is gonna get it. If you and I had been sitting there, you know what we'd have thought, Judas is gonna get it. He was gonna get it, all right, but he wasn't gonna get the Holy Ghost. But looking at it in the natural mind, there was nothing inferior. He stood with the messages we'd say, but when it come right down to it, Judas couldn't get the Holy Ghost. He could heal. Oh my, he could cast out devils. He could preach, he could do anything Peter could do and might have done it better than some of the things Peter done, but Peter could get the Holy Ghost and Judas couldn't get it. Oh my, but yet as far as gifts, you say, where did he come Where did the gifts come from? The Lord Jesus. Oh my. Notice this again, the prophet says, how I many knows that you could send your soul to hell with a divine gift, sure you can. He says you have to watch what you're doing. How many believes Moses was God's prophet? Say amen. amen. He was God's prophet, but do you know what he done? God told him to go down there and speak to the rock, and the rock was already smitten. He said, "Is that right?" Instead of Moses doing what God told him to do, he went down and smote the rock again. Well, that absolutely broke the entire scripture right into, right there. Christ wasn't smitten twice, he was smitten once. We just speak to him from now on. Look what Moses done. So Moses strikes the rock twice and he broke every type and shadow in the Bible when he done it. Yet he was God's prophet and he had been given power and he could use that power at his will even when it was wrong. God gave him that power and he stands there and says, you bunch of rebels, even in his anger. Boy, Moses gets all bent out of shape. They'd been better off to let him at the house when he done that service. He gets up there and strikes out at the people and then he strikes that rock and God said, all right, boy. All right, because you've done this. You're not going in. Oh my goodness. Moses smote the rock that broke God's complete program. And it was done exactly what God told him not to do. Well, you and I think in our mind, well, if he'd done what God told him not to do, then the power wouldn't be there. No, that's not true. The power was there. And when he smote that rock, the water come gushing out, totally out of the will of God. And people say, oh, glory to God, I know I'm in the will of God. God blessed me and God done this and God done that, yeah. I agree totally. And God will try sometimes. You know how he tries his people? By his word. He'll even let you feel led to do something. Not that he leads you to do it, but he will allow you to feel led to do something contrary to his word. As I said, he don't lead you because the Holy Ghost will never lead you and I contrary to the word but he'll let the devil inspire you and you'll feel led to do a certain thing. And yet, look in the word. The word says this, the word says that. The word says, the message says, the message says. Oh, I know, I know, but I feel led. I feel led. And God will try you to see, is your soul birthed by the word or do you go by your feelings? Amen. Mm, Amen. Praise the Lord. Maybe I'll ask you again. How am is happy to be here not? Oh, my, not near as many Happy Valley. <laughs> Don't tell me some of y'all ain't near as happy since we've left Happy Valley. I got an email from one of the brothers over in India years ago, or after we left the church over at Happy Valley and been a few months back. And, and he said, Brother Donnie, he said, why did you rename the church? He said, I, I, I was just so used to Happy Valley. He said, I thought Happy Valley was a spiritual name. I said, no, it wasn't a spiritual name. It's the name of the community. So he thought we was happy in the valley. I didn't tell him that y'all wasn't always happy in the valley. I didn't tell him that I wasn't always happy in the valley, but he thought it was a spiritual name, and he thought we ought to have the same thing. I said, well, that's the name of the community. There's Happy Valley Baptist Church, there's Happy Valley this, but I believe we can still be a spiritual happy in the valley, don't you? Oh, my. Notice, so he breaks the type. When Moses smote the rock, that broke God's complete program. He'd done exactly what God told him to do, but he could do it anyhow, whether it was God's will or not. You see, preachers can take their gifts and do things sometimes with them gifts totally out of the will of God, and God will honor it. People will be healed, this and that and the other will happen and say, see there, glory to God, that proves I'm right. The Word proves we're right. Not just signs, not just wonders. Well, praise the Lord. Now watch, Brother Ram knows it sounds strange and he says it, that seems strange, doesn't it? But it wasn't God's will. But he was a prophet, he could do whatever he wished and what his power would permit him to do. Oh my. I never study along these lines that I don't always think of one of the renowned men in the Old Testament that is a parallel of this by the name of Balaam. Balaam is a very odd character to me, just me looking at him. I can't say I understand but how all that worked with Balaam. But he was a man that was a man of double identity. He was a man that lived two lives, as it were. He's called a soothsayer, yet also called a prophet. He saw things by vision and by trance and yet he also used enchantments, which was witchcraft. He was a messed up dude, I'm telling you. What's this in Numbers chapter 23, verse 16? And the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, met Balaam and put a word in his mouth, wow, and he said, go again unto Balak, and say thus, now remember this man by this time had seen an angel of God, an angel of God stood in the way, and his donkey had more sense than he did, and the donkey's going down through there, and then the donkey sees the angel of the Lord. And he'd beaten a time out of that donkey and finally he opened his eyes and there Balaam saw it. So this man has seen an angel. He stepped over what God wanted and moved into the permissive will of God. And now God takes this man which has used enchantments and puts a word in his mouth. And the saints said, Amen. chapter 23, verse 26. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Now you remember what happened here that Balaam, he was hired by Balak, and he wanted to come curse Israel. Well, he got out there and he got to praying, got to, you know, in the presence of the Lord. He opened his mouth and he said, I see thy tents, O Jacob. They are goodly. They are this and that and the other. And O, o Balaam got to prophesying things that was absolutely phenomenal. He prophesied one of the greatest messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, a soothsayer. Wow. So Balaam started prophesying good things and Balak, I mean, he hired him into this denomination to curse that bunch of message people. And he got under the anointing and said, man, I hope my end is like thirst. you talking about a godly bunch of people. He said, what are you doing? I hired you to bless them. Now notice this is his response. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, told not I thee, saying, all oh, that the Lord speaketh, that must I do. I can't help it. I was gonna blast them and I was gonna tell them as an occult and all that sort of thing. And the next thing I started saying was, glory to God, I went to that church. It wasn't at all the way I thought it was. Hallelujah, I come a little bit skeptical of it. My, while I come through the prayer line, God healed me of my blood pressure. God done this and God done that. God knows how to make people testify. Now notice chapter 24, verse one. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, He went not, as at other times, to seek for enchantments. You mean to tell me this man is mixing spiritual gifts with witchcraft? (laughs) I don't think we understand how important... One simple thing is to God. Obedience. We tend to think gifts, emotion, this, that, the other, is the greatest thing. I hate to disrupt your fan parade, but obedience is one of the greatest things you will ever accomplish for the kingdom of God. By not cutting your hair, sisters, it's one of the greatest things you can ever do. Why? You're obeying God's word. The prophet said, what gets God's attention? Keeping his word. But we tend to think, oh, this great thing and this great thing and that great thing. You're gonna find out in Matthew 24 that there will be people who have done absolutely phenomenal miracles and will go to hell. Why? They didn't obey. And some of you will walk down streets of gold that have never performed one miracle at all. And it will be said to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Why? Because you obeyed. You repented. You got baptized. You done this. You done that. The preacher preaching, you said, well, the Lord, I'm sorry. I've been guilty. I didn't know that was wrong. Lord, I'll quit. You don't understand what that does to the heart of God. You don't understand just by you getting up every day and praying, reading your Bible. Do you understand what it does to the heart of God when you and I praise him in the midst of trials? It's not just so the praise will come out of your mouth. It's because you're obeying him. That's what he wants you to do. And when you do that, you're obeying what he's saying. So I don't understand it. He didn't say understand it. He just said do it. Obedience is such a tremendous thing to God. Can I go on? And Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel and he went not as at other times to seek for enchantments but he set his face toward the wilderness. Now the wilderness now of course is where Israel is, so he's gonna go and get on their back parts and see what kind of faults that he can find. What kind of issues that's there because man, I'll tell you what, this salary is pretty good and if he don't you know, give out some stuff that's gonna please old Balak, he's gonna drop his social security. And old Balaam thinking, man alive, I got to retire of this preaching stuff, so I got to have something to kind of fall back on. He so says, if I get among them long enough, I guarantee I'll find some fault somewhere. Look in verse 3. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he hath said, which heard of God which saw the vision of the almighty where did he hear this name almighty this was one of the sacred names of God kept close for Abraham, Isaac Jacob where did he hear this name Now notice what happens to this guy, soothsayer, enchantment seeker. He fell into a trance, having his eyes wide open. So he's standing there kneeling, whatever he is, and all of a sudden he just goes into this dimension. So a portal, if you will, was opened up. So Balaam is there and he's thinking that. Out. You know, Balak, he's gonna get really upset at me and if this is gonna happen, all of a sudden he just, whew, and his eyes are wide open, but he's in a rapt, R-A-P-T, raptured state. And he starts hearing the words of God, the Almighty, and he starts seeing this trance, a soothsayer. I hope you walk out of this building tonight with a different view of a whole lot of things. I hope instead of you walking out of this building and thinking, well, I ain't never spoken tongues. I ain't never prophesied. I ain't never had no vision. I I must be a, a dirt bag. I must be absolutely worthless in the eyes of God. And what good does a vision or a trance do you if you don't obey God? Balaam will use that gift and wound up taking him to hell. fell into a trance, having his eyes open. Verse 5, how goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. Verse 16, he hath said, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High. Again, where did he hear this name? Most High. Abraham was the first man in the Bible that ever used this name. Where did he hear it? He's a heathen. This man not only broke into a trance, but according to his words. Listen what he said. That he broke into the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, having his eyes open. Listen to these words, friends. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not now. There shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. He's speaking of the Lord Jesus. This is one that the Magi's, this is what the Magi's, this is one of the scriptures they used when they was following the star that led them to where he was born. And this was said by a soothsayer under the anointing of God. Ma. Thank you, Jesus, I can live right. Thank you, Jesus, I can live right. Thank you, I can be born again. Thank you, I can have the Holy Ghost. Oh my. I may not be a great spiritual person. I might may not be a great person that, you know, has all kinds of this and that and the other happen to, but thank God I can be saved. Thank God I can have the Holy Ghost. Thank God I've got a desire to obey the word. Show me, show me, I'll do my best to do it with all of my heart. Show me where I'm wrong, I'll repent, I'll make it right. I'll do what God wants me to do because I've got a desire to obey him. I may never see a vision like this. I may never be able to move into another dimension as others do, but I thank God there's one thing I can do. I can live right. I've got a desire to obey his word. You ought to be so grateful tonight that you can do that, friends. There shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab. Now remember where he's at. Balak is the king of Moab. There went his salary. Social Security, welfare check, you know, everything just went out the window. You imagine Balak is standing there listening Now, what's he going to say now? What's he going to say? Ooh, oh, oh, Balak said, Look at him. Good Lord, I ain't never seen him like that in my life. Look at his eyes. There shall arise a star out of Jacob, a scepter shall come. Oh, Israel, how goodly are thy tents. I don't see him now. I can't know him now, but there will come one. He saw the Lord Jesus. Oh, my goodness. And he shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. Numbers 31, 16. You remember when the children of Israel now, sometime after this, they began to look upon the daughters of Moab and invited them to come over to a big convention they was having. The Bible says that they began to commit adultery with these daughters of Moab. You remember the story, of course, whenever the man puts an end to the plague and the Justice of God, judgment of God breaks out on them. But notice what caused this. Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam. You see, his prophecy was a hundred percent accurate, but it was his teaching. So when Balaam got out from under the anointing, he gathered the heads together and said, I found their problem. I found their weakness. All their women have long hair and their women aren't allowed to wear many skirts to church. And their women can't do this and can't do that. So if you'll set up your denominational daughters out there in front of them, put on makeup, let them, you know, cut their hair, let them do this and that and other, them old boys will fall for them. The same man that saw Jesus? The same man that knew the secret names of God? Yeah, by prophecy. But it was his teaching, his counsel. So he calls all these heads together and said, now, this is what you do. You do this and you do that and you do that and you'll get them. Notice the Bible says, behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Isn't this amazing? The devil himself could not smite them. But if he could cause them to become what? Disobedient to the word. Then the hand of God of mercy would move back and he will allow the angel of death to smite him. So there's people dying everywhere. And how did that come to pass? Under this preacher, prophet, if you wish to call him that, soothsayer, under his counsel, his teaching. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord, everybody. Joshua chapter 13, verse 22. Now here a battle breaks out sometime later. Listen who they kill. Balaam, also the son of Beor. Read it with me. So a soothsayer prophesied messianic prophecy. Astounding, is it not? Balaam the son of Beor the soothsayer did the children of Israel slay with the sword among them that were slain. So here Balaam actually lived after the counsel of those that had committed adultery with the daughters of Moab had died Balaam went right on to live under this denominational auspice but the sword of God finally caught up with him. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 15 which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. So here we see from Peter part of Balaam's fall. It was the love of money. And it was the wages of unrighteousness. And yet this man had a gift. And that gift will eventually be part of his destiny, which will lead him to hell. Can you imagine this man standing before the throne of God? What will he try to say? I prophesied about your coming. I prophesied this. I blessed Israel, but you also, by your teaching, pull them out of the assembly of Israel to the assembly of Moabites. He pulled them out of the congregation of Israel. Oh, my goodness. You know, friends, whenever we think of the anointing of God, and we're talking about rewards and works and the things that God wants us to do, but you see how works can actually work against us if it's not coupled with divine obedience to God's divine program. You see, God will try you after you become a Christian. God tries leaders. He tries preachers. He tried Balaam. It's easy to see. He tried Moses. Easy to see, and he failed. Every man that's ever been on the earth that was gifted of God has been tried. And for many of them, it's not when they first start out. It's when they've been around for a while and they begin to feel confident. The prophet tells us it's an influence of course. They feel like they've got a little kingdom built up so they, they don't pray like they used to. They don't think they have to be as spiritual as they used to so they can start, you know, doing this and doing that and not praying, not being sincere and it'll catch up with them. I don't care who they are. Our sincerity must be maintained the entirety of our life. We can never let go of it. Our dedication to the Lord Jesus, is that right? Can I have a few more minutes of your time? Let's read in 1 Samuel, if you would, chapter 15, verse 17. The the character here is Samuel. And Samuel is speaking to King Saul. And Saul had by now become arrogant and proud and thinking of what he had done and what he had accomplished. And Samuel said, when thou wast little... In thine own sight. You see, the downfall of great men is not just when the people around them will try to make an idol out of them, but it's when they begin to believe it. That will always be. I don't care who you are. Look, friends, if a man is gonna be made to fall because people make an idol out of him, then Brother Branham would have been gone and destroyed years and years ago because people literally made him the Lord Jesus. But God is not gonna hold Brother Branham responsible for what a bunch of knuckleheads do around this message. But that's not the danger for a real servant of God alone, but the danger is when he begins to believe it about himself, that he's so exclusive, he's so anointed, he can sing above everybody else and play the guitar, play the organ or whatever it is he plays. He's a little bit better than this and a little bit better than that and a little bit better than somewhere else. We are a body. My little toe is ugly. Some of most of you ain't never seen it in your entire life, but I hope I never lose a little feller. He's kind of handy being stuck on the side of the mother. He ain't near as big as the big one. He ain't near as big as the second one. He ain't near as big as the middle one. But I'm glad I've got him. My little finger's kind of T-90 and small, but I hope I never lose that little finger in a saw. I hope I get to keep him the rest of my life. Praise the Lord. It's the same with folks that we may look at in the body. Well, he ain't got much of a ministry. He ain't much of a singer. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If he's in the body, we need him. We need big preachers. We need little preachers. We need medium sized preachers. We need helps in the church. We need governments in the church. We need, I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. We need prayer warriors. We need young people. We need old people. We need middle aged people. We want everybody here that God wants here. Notice. Samuel said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, humble, lowly, and a low opinion of himself. A low opinion of himself, of his tribe, and of his family. Notice what he says about himself in 1 Samuel 9, 21. And Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjamite? of the smallest of the tribes of Israel. Now this is when the prophet tells him, God wants you to be the king. Notice the heartfelt opinion of this man about himself, his family, and his tribe. Had he kept this attitude, we would not be reading this story we're fixing to read. But you see, the attitude changed within himself. Oh my goodness. Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? and my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? Now this is his honest, heartfelt view of himself, Brother Darrell, this is the way he's looking at himself. The Benjamin's the smallest tribe as far as number it was at that time and he said my family is one of the smallest families in the whole tribe why would you come to me if he would have maintained this attitude about himself oh my he would have had a dynasty that would have lasted a thousand years but he got to looking at himself and saying, boy look what i've done My goodness, I've brought the tribes together. We have been fighting battles. We have done this and that and the other, and we have done this and we have done that. Oh, it probably started out that way. We, meaning him and the people and God. And then somewhere along the way, it changed from we to I. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Now he's fixing to build and erect a memorial right now for this battle that you can read, I'll just spare you the time, but he's wanting to raise a memorial. And he's wanting to build a great big memorial of this battle that he has now won. And he's looking at himself. Now, look what I've done. Look what I've Boy, I'll tell you one thing. I have turned this thing around. And I, my goodness, it was in the office mess ever was. I have done this and I have done that. It always breaks my heart when I hear somebody go that way. Whether it's a preacher, a deacon, a trustee, a singer, a Sunday school teacher, a housewife. When they go to talking about them and I and me and mine, and you say, oh, no, oh, no, not you, not you. Why? You've changed your view about yourself. Oh, my goodness. Let me have a few more minutes and we'll pick it up again. Lord God. And the Lord sent thee, chapter 15, verse 18, on a journey. And he said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore, then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord? But didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord, evil. What? What evil? I mean, they didn't molest women. They weren't molesting children. They wasn't robbing banks. Evil. What evil was it? Disobedience to the words of God's prophet. Now, of course, they didn't have a written Bible and maybe Saul thought, well, you know what? Now, according to the Word in the book of Deuteronomy, isn't everything supposed to be proven in the mouth of two or three witnesses? And I don't have two or three witnesses that verifies here what, uh, what Samuel has said. You know, Samuel's getting pretty old, and maybe he's kind of getting grouchy and mean. I mean, what man in his right mind would tell a man to go out there and kill young'uns? What man in his right mind? What prophet? What, what prophet reflecting the love of God would tell me to go over and kill all the people and kill the babies and everything and kill all them fat cattle and them fat sheep? Well, I, I don't think, I, I personally don't think that quote is really necessary. What if that one quote? Separate your soul from death and life. Heaven and hell. Now, he's not refuting that Samuel was God's prophet. Watch how he takes this now and twists it. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. What? And have gone the way which the Lord sent me. My goodness. Now this man is so far gone, he cannot even see how wrong he is. God's prophet told him to kill everything and do not fly in on the spoil, don't bring back one animal, don't bring back one man, kill everything dead. But Saul says, I brought back Agag. Wow, we brought all these animals here, we're gonna sacrifice them to the Lord. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you Jesus. We're going to sacrifice them to the Lord. Well, that's what we're going to do. I just got that fresh from God. Praise the Lord. That's what I feel led to do. But God's prophet said, "Kill everything." But Saul felt led, we'll say, or he had a dream, or maybe got a word. I don't doubt that. I just wonder where the word come from. (laughs) And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have done nothing wrong. I talked to a Saul like this not long ago. Mm. Yeah, It's amazing to me when you show folks scriptures and quotes and they step right over the top of them and do what they're gonna do anyway. Anything you can do. Me and Carol have a common saying around the house. People's gonna do what they wanna do. I don't care what you say. You can prophesy in the name of the Lord, you can speak in tongues over them, you can do whatever. They're gonna do what they're gonna do. But the good side about that is, so am I. And I'm gonna serve the Lord. You do whatever you wanna do, okay? gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag the king of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites but remember it didn't take but a couple of days for King Agag to get with his wife in between this time and she became pregnant and this offspring bore another and bore another and then it winds up down in Persia in the time of Queen Esther. Remember his name? Remember his name? Haman. Brother David just preached about it. So because he disobeyed God's prophet's word. The children of Israel still dealing with this man. If he would have carried it out to the letter, that part of the story wouldn't have to be written. Come on, children, they don't need to sit there looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Every one of us have let agags live. Amen. And then it causes us or our children or our grandchildren to still reap because of things that it would have cut the head off of that agag, we'd have been a whole lot better off and so would have some of our kids. Amen. Goodness gracious. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. His justification just overwhelms me. He's standing right there in the face of the man that told him what to do and said, I dug what you said. <laughs> My, I haven't done anything wrong. I am not to blame. Oh man, you're getting all bent out of shape and stuff tore up off after all this stuff. You ain't got no love in your heart, Samuel. Want me to go down there and kill them kids? How in the world could God tell the people of Israel, kill them baby Canaanites? Kill them, every one of them. Why, because God knew a baby grows up to be an adult. That's why God said, don't spare the suckling or any of them. Kill them all. (laughs) You see, he could not resist. It was his pride. This was a custom in their time. That you would bring the king back and show your people what you did. So instead of following the prophet of God's teaching, he wanted to follow the tradition of the day. I'm bringing gag back, boy, look at me. Look at this, lead him on a leash or a chain. Look what I've done. Raw rah, rah. Yay, King Saul, yay, King Saul. Now watch him in verse 21. The people. Took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief things, which should have been utterly destroyed. Okay, 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 I in the word. They should have been destroyed. But it wasn't my fault. It was the people. The people wanted me to do this. What a leader. A leader that follows what the people wants. Instead of what the word says, ah, come on. Mm hmm. Look at him. He still can't take the blame, can he? So, what's he doing? Blaming it on the people. What my fault? Don't look at me. And who are you, the water boy? You are the king. All oh, you have to do is say, hey. God's prophet said, we do it this way and that way and that way. Don't you bring them sheep. Don't you bring them cattle. But instead, the people, the people, the people don't want me to preach against sin anymore. The people don't want me to preach against transgender, so I guess they can't. Well, if these people don't want me to, I'm going to anyhow. And if you vote me out, I'll preach it on the side of the road. (laughs) I ain't gonna follow what the people want. I wanna follow what the Holy Ghost wants. Oh my, the people, the people. The people talked me into it. Well, it was the people that pressured me. It was the people. And there's more of them than there was me. I'm just, after all, King Saul. What an excuse for a leader. Huh. But the people took of the spoil sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. Okay, 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 I agree, I agree with you. Are you happy now? Huh. But watch him throws this little religious tone in it. To sacrifice unto the Lord, thy God. Notice how he says that, not my God, thy God, does this please you? Okay, get off my case, would you? You're the prophet of the age, all right, all right, all right. So we're doing this so the Lord, your God will be happy. Okay, you good now? Look at his attitude, friends. What happened to his respect of the same man that took the cruise of oil and anointed him? Went down his head, run down his eyes, and him sitting there quivering and shaking. And the prophet said, now, you'll find your donkeys in such and such a place, and you're gonna meet some minstrels, and they're gonna do this, and the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and Saul stripped off his clothes. And prophesied naked all day long. This guy was messed up, wasn't he? And the people said, is Saul among the prophets? Always felt sorry for this guy. Because he didn't know how to repent. It's like he could not ever admit it. I messed up. Big time, it's my fault, I'm so wrong. Please, even when he tries to grab a hold to Samuel's garment there, watch his attitude, and he reaches and grabs a hold of it, and when he does, he tears it. He said, just as you tore my garment, so God has torn the kingdom from you. Lord God, (laughs) Now go and smite Amalek. This is what God told him, 1 Samuel 15 3. And utterly destroy all they have and spare them not. And slay both man, woman, infant, and suckling. This would have seemed terrible, would it not? I mean, you're standing there as a soldier. You're told by God to kill a baby. You were told by a prophet of God to kill a three-year-old child. It would have been brought to a very difficult question, would it not, brothers? Brother Keith, Brother Greg, Brother Byron, God's prophet said, kill them all. So you go into a house, there's a man with eight kids. First you kill him, then you kill his wife. He's got a 14-year-old, 12-year-old, 11-year-old, 8-year-old, 9-year-old. Got one laying in the cradle. You mean to tell me you're gonna walk in there and kill those children? If you believe his message, you'll do it. You may cry later. You may feel awful. I don't believe these people were murderers. you imagine the faces of some of these kids they saw Brother Rob later. Sometimes it ain't easy carrying out God's will. But looking at the other side of it to be lost, I'd much rather carry it out and weep and cry later, brother. Than to stand before God. Do you realize the compromising preacher is going to stand before God? And it won't be Samuel the next time. It'll be God. When preachers will stand there, I said, well, the people didn't want me to preach this. The people was the one that pressed me to do it. The people wanted this and the people wanted that and the people wanted something else. They wanted to go into an organization and they didn't want me to preach, because I was gonna lose my job. Several years ago, I stood in a church. I message church. The pastor was in such a shape, he didn't even have a right to be in the pulpit. He liked to have me run over three times, picking me up at the airport and taking me to the hotel. He wasn't even in shape, physical shape to ride, drive. The Lord put it on my heart while I was there and I talked to him, I said, brother, you don't need to pastor this church, you're not, you're not fit. You're not capable. You're just not capable. His words were this, Brother Donnie, what will I do? How will I make a living? I said, I'd rather be on the side of the road begging bread. I said, to me, God will honor you. God will honor you if you admit I cannot do this. I'm not serving the people, his own family. Come and talk to me after I preach and sit outside in the dark for two hours after the service was over. Some Brother Donnie, we didn't help. He cannot pastor the church. He called me about two months later and said, I took your advice. I signed up on social security. That's the first preacher I've ever talked out of preaching. (laughs) I don't mind telling you, I fought hell after that. You cannot imagine how that made me feel. I thought, God, did I do the right thing? Yes, I did the right thing because that man was not being the right kind of leader. Well, we have to say things that are hurt, yes. Let's stand. Let's read verse 22 here of 1 Samuel 15. Can I, You mind? Yeah. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And remember, Samuel was a Levite and a prophet. So he was not doing away with the importance of sacrifice. But he was showing, if you don't obey God's word, no matter how much you sacrifice, you'll lose it. Can you imagine every woman preacher that prays and studies and labors and preaches when she walks before God expecting a reward, she will lose every bit of it. Why? She stepped over the top of the word and accepted a feeling. Or as Harry and I knew a woman in Pentecost that kept feeling this pull to be a preacher. And one night an angel walked into her room And took her Bible, she sat up in the bed in this angel's presence. And this angel went over on her desk and got her Bible and handed her her Bible and said God had called her to preach. Now we all know it wasn't an angel of God. I got a letter back on my desk, and I noticed it was kind of strange, because the return address was handwritten, and the return name was Jesus Christ, and the address was 777-1357. So, I thought, oh boy, another Dear Donnie letter. So, I opened it up, and it was a Dear Donnie letter. Except they was accusing me of saying something that I never did say. And I thought, now, you know what? If Jesus would have sent me this letter, he wouldn't have told a big lie. He'd tell the truth. <laughs> you can imagine what that woman did. She started preaching. Why? Why? She took that experience over the word of God. Notice, Samuel, has the Lord as great delight, look at this word, pleasure, desire, longing, the good pleasure. Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings as in obeying? Friends, can you imagine the delight we bring to the Lord Jesus when we just simply obey his word? And Satan tries to make us think it's nothing. You're you're, you're nobody. You're just a, you obey his words. You love him. Well, Brother Donnie, I make so many mistakes. And what do you do after you make the mistakes? You obey his word and repent and make it right. So you're still obeying his word. And Satan wants to make us think we're nothing great. We're not doing this and that. It brings God such pleasure. Oh, praise God. As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken, beautiful, another beautiful word. To hear, be attentive, heed, pay attention, listen. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Wow. But look at the opposite of obedience. For rebellion, is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Wow. My goodness. So when we rebel against God's word, God's prophet, God's teaching, I don't think we need that. I don't think we have to do it. I don't think that's required. You're rebelling. You know why, friends, God hates that so bad? Because Satan is the originator of that. Now, I know you don't want to hear this, but the reason we all fight a problem with rebellion is because we are a hybrid between Eve and Satan. Say amen or don't say amen. It don't really matter to me. I know it's the truth anyhow. That's why you fight rebellion, and that's why God hates our rebellion. And stubbornness is as, oh Lord, as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. Something just as simple. It's not killing everybody. And leaving the sheep that simple. He rejected the word of the Lord. Yeah. He rejected the word of the Lord. May God help us. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Lord God. How many of you like to be remembered tonight before the Lord? Oh, children, remember me. Remember me that God will help me that I'll always be little in my own house. Help me that I'll always be submissive to him and desire to obey his word, desire to be little. Hallelujah. Hallelujah where He can always use us. How many wants to be that way before God? Never thinking big of yourself and how important you are. There's only one big one among us. That's the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I, I pray You'd have mercy on us, Jesus. Help us, Lord, that We don't never get that kind of attitude, Father, that we think we are something and we're so important. Lord God, may we always be little in our own eyes. Oh, most of us, no, no, we think we'd never be like Balaam, and most of us wouldn't. I wonder how many of us would be closer to being like Saul. We'd get lifted up because of this or that or the other. How many singers around the message have we seen to it? How many preachers get lifted up? They start out sincere and love the people who love God. And it's sad. I can't say I understand it, but when many men get older, when they get up in years, is when they get so goofed up. It's just like they go nuts. Please, Jesus, keep us, Lord. Keep us, Father. May we never handle the Bible and handle your prophet's message the way Saul did. Lord, if we are wrong, show us. May we always have a teachable spirit where we can see when the word is preached that we can see where we're wrong and repent. God, help us that we won't be like Saul, that we'll stand right there and say, I have done no wrong. It's not me that's wrong, it's everybody else. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Lord God, I pray. Oh, Father, we worship you tonight, Lord. Come by this way tonight, Lord Jesus, would you? I know this is not the type of service that makes us wanna jump and shout and rejoice in that way. But Lord, if it can do a work in our hearts, we'll have something to jump and shout about then we can jump high because we're living high. Yes. Father, we don't want to just jump and not live what we're jumping about. But we want to be a people that are submissive, humble. Lord, that we don't filter through the Bible and filter through the message. Well, I don't like this part and I don't believe that's necessary. and I don't think we need to teach that. And I don't think, who are we anyway? to think that we, poor blind people, would be able to teach God anything. Speak your word to us, Lord. David made many mistakes along the way, but there's one great difference between David and Saul. David knew how to repent. He knew how to admit he was wrong. He knew how to come to the spot, or it took him a while, the sin of Bathsheba. Boy, once it struck his heart, he's constantly repenting psalm after psalm later and years on down the road. He's still recognizing what a wrong that he'd done. Lord, may we be like that. May we be able to be shown the word and say, I'm sorry, brother. You're right. I, I did this wrong, and I'm going to go back, and I'll go right back to square one. I'll do it right, or I won't do it. But somehow we get it in our mind that when we start something wrong, even a work for you. Well, it wasn't right exactly. No, this wasn't right. No, but, but that's okay. That's okay. God understands. We don't realize we're building this on a false foundation. Lord, we don't want to build our new birth on a foundation of just emotion. We don't want to build it on a foundation of, well, I, I, I went down to the altar and I, I couldn't speak English very good anymore. I, I believe I've got it. We don't want that. Lord, we want it to be a change in our soul. If you want us to speak in tongues, so be it. Lord, if we, you want us to prophesy, so be it. But we want to be changed, Lord. We don't wanna just have victory when we go to youth camps. We don't wanna have victory in special meetings. We wanna have victory right in the middle of hell. An experience of youth camp or an experience of a dedication service, if it don't keep us through the middle of hell, it wasn't a very good one. If we can only shout in special meetings and can't shout whenever we're having regular church, there's something wrong with what we got in special meetings. Lord God, we wanna be able to praise your name when we don't feel nothing. We want to be able to come to church and we don't feel one thing. We want to be able to worship and sing and pray and read our Bibles and listen to tapes when it feels like you're a million miles away. That's when we express the victory that's in our souls, Lord. We love you, Father. Come by this way tonight, would you, Lord? Come
1: by you, Lord come by here
0: come by here lord won't you come by here sing it. come by here lord won't you come by here Someone needs you, Lord. Come by here. Hallelujah. Somebody's praying, Lord. Won't you come by here? Let's just sing it now. Somebody's praying, Lord. Won't you come by here? Somebody's praying, Lord. Won't you come by here?
1: Somebody needs you, Lord. Come by
0: have our hands raised up, Lord, come by here, praise the Lord. We have our hands raised up in your presence, Lord, come by here, oh, praise God, let him deal with you tonight, saints. We have our hands raised up, Lord. Won't you come
1: by here? We all need you,
0: Lord. Come by here. Somebody needs the whole Won't you come by here? Oh, somebody needs the Holy Ghost. Won't you come by here? Anybody need to talk to the Lord a little bit? The altar's open for you. You need the Holy Ghost, it's open. You need healing, it's open for you. Come by here. There's brothers and sisters, Lord, won't you come by here? Hallelujah. Oh, somebody's sick here, Lord, won't you come by here? I said somebody's sick tonight, Lord. Won't you come by here? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody's sick here,
1: Lord. Won't you come by here?
0: We're so needy, my Lord. Won't you come by here? Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Would you do me a favor tonight? Would you lay hands or at least a hand on that person standing near you? We're going to offer prayer. Young brothers to each other, sisters, husband, wife. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Brother Darrell, maybe you can come, buddy. Offer prayer for the needs of the people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. May God so anoint us tonight. After this service, that we'll have a greater desire than ever before in our lives. To be obedient children. And to realize it brings our Father such great pleasure and joy when we obey His Word. Just as simple as when a person is baptized up here in this pool. In the name of the Lord Jesus, that brings such pleasure and happiness to God. Whenever you forgive someone that's wronged you, you've obeyed his word. That not only releases you, it brings his happiness to God. Every time you obey his word, it makes him so happy and so pleased in you as a child. Pray for us, buddy. Would you pray for me?
2: Heavenly Father,
0: Lord Jesus, we
2: thank you, Lord Jesus, for this word that we've heard tonight, Lord. Lord, not so much the stimulation of the flesh, but the stirring of our souls, Lord. And Father God, we stand here as a body, as our brother brought out tonight, Lord. Lord God, Even though we may be the least part, Lord, it's important to you. Father, and Father, I pray tonight for my brothers and my sisters as we lay hands on one yes, another. Lord, God, Lord, that we could fulfill this part of thy word, oh God, that you me, Lord. sent your word, Lord. and We obeyed that word and it pleased you, God. Thank you, Lord, God. Father, Thank I pray you, Lord, tonight for my brother here, Lord. This ministry dear God That has blessed the people around the world Lord that you keep us at the foot of the cross Dear God That you keep us near to your side Lord That we can be obedient to your word Lord Not to bring a name for ourselves, But lift up thy name O God For you said if I be lifted up I will draw all men unto myself Lord So Father it's our desire tonight Lord As we lay hands upon one another That you'd move for each of my brothers And my sisters tonight Lord That Father we wouldn't strive dear God To be something big to have a great gift dear God to be known by people but that our hearts could be humble before you Lord that you could speak your word to us Lord, that we would obey it dear God that you would speak to us Lord knowing that we would carry it out your will Lord Father we lay ourselves at your altar tonight God and ask Lord may the bleach of thy blood Lord cleanse us Lord set us aside for service for thy glory we pray Lord Jesus oh God bless our brother tonight Lord in his body and his family Lord you see the needs that are among us dear God but we commit them to you for Lord we believe you're a big God to do big things among us dear God oh Father we ask you tonight God may it not be a one of us God Lord it would take something that you would give us Lord that it would cause us dear God to end up Lord in the regions of the lost but Father may everything that's been given to us may it be used for the kingdom of thy glory dear God that others may see you Lord that we may take our light to the darkness dear God that they could see you're the Same yesterday, today, and forever, Father. Oh God, I ask you tonight in the name of Jesus, may you use our brothers never before, dear God, to bring forth thy word, God. If it cuts us, Lord, then it cuts us, Father, but may we be obedient to it, Lord. I pray tonight. We grant it, Lord Jesus. Oh Father God, help us, dear God, as we see, Lord, there's a storm brewing on the horizon, dear God, but help us, dear God, I pray, to abide, dear Lord. With the ship father to stay with that which you have given us lord and to lead not to the left nor to the right dear god but may we stay single unto thee for thou art god granted tonight lord jesus i pray in this war that lays ahead lord jesus may we keep the balance of your word lord granted i pray tonight father may we keep the balance of your word
0: lord in jesus name we pray for granted lord Grant it, Lord say it God, I, say it, I pray Father. tonight, Father. Grant it, Lord God. In Jesus' God. name. Oh, Jesus, we worship Amen. you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your holy name, Father. You, grant it to us tonight, Lord. Jesus. May we fall in love with you afresh, Lord. You, Lord, Lord God, may we love each other more than ever before. Oh, grant it, I pray, Lord. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord God. We bless your name, Lord. Thank you, Father.
1: Falling in love with you. Ever done falling. arms I feel protected in his arms we An for arms never disconnected in his arms I feel protected there's no place I'd rather rather be best. On. Oh, we need you Lord. We need you Lord. Right now. Mm, can we lift our hands one time and sing? It? Oh, we need you Lord.
0: Lord God, we bless your name tonight, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. This is your house. Hallelujah. Let's sing this song, this is your house. This us it in a two-fold way, not only this building, of course, but this is your house. If God wants to use your house to pray for somebody, Can we have your house? If God wants to use your hands, God wants to use maybe your thumbs to send somebody an encouraging text. Can God have your hands? Use this house. Let's sing it together. We'll let you go here just momentarily. Praise the Lord. We dedicate
1: this to you, you, Lord. To you, Lord. Let your glory fill This sanctuary be enthroned in the praises of your people. Lord, Lord, we we agree. Oh, yes, we do. In unity, this is your house. This is your house, Father. Come and dwell. Come and dwell. Lord. This is your house. This is your house. A holy house of prayer, where the lost and the lonely bring their burdens and their cares. This is your house. This is your house. This is your house. With grace and mercy that healing and redemption find searching soul Lord have your way we humbly pray this is your Jô e
2: And pray as long as you'd wish tonight. Let's just sing it as we go. Jesus, draw me close. Thank you.
1: Won't Jesus draw me close? Closer, Lord.